0: Excited. That hope that we talk about, that you heard in the video, and that the reason we're here is to remind ourselves every week of this great hope that we have, that that really changes everything. And we're here at Hope in a series in Hosea. My name is Drew, if I didn't introduce myself. I'm Drew, I'm the pastor here at Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights. We have been here, like Natty said, almost in January, it'll be two years, January is kind of almost, I just want it to be Christmas so bad that I'm wishing it every day into existence. Uh, January will be two years old. We've had a wild two years. We spent a year of it online and we're excited that we're together. We moved locations where we meet. We're now here in this building and um, we're excited that God's doing a lot already in our two years and the 25 years at hope. And right now we are in a series in Hosea, a book in the Old Testament, a, a a book about a minor prophet, we call it. Not that it's less important, but it's a shorter book about a person named Hosea, a man who was a prophet who God just used to speak through. And he didn't just speak through it. He acts out his faithfulness towards us through the life of Hosea. He asks Hosea to marry a woman that he knows is unfaithful. There's been in scripture We hear with many lovers is adulterous. And so just a quick walk through the beginning of it. So we know where we're at as we get into the end of uh, chapter two here. In the beginning, uh, we hear about this and we would assume that Hosea then, and then in turn, him representing God would be very angry. We looked uh, just recently at this. We think God would probably want to tweet this out, right? I hate my Gomer's. Gomer is the name of his wife. But instead we hear he actually loves, he actually like increases the pursuit towards this unfaithful wife. Says, I want to remarry you, and so we get this great story in the book of Hosea about this. We hear language here in Hosea 2, I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. The bales is the, the name of the gods or the other masters that she turned to. And now God's talking about this marriage of Hosea and Gomer, but he's also really talking about him and his people and us in turn today. And says so she decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but she forgot but me, she forgot, declares the word. This is really the, kind of the core of this part we've been in in Hosea 2, that she's run after other things and she's forgotten God, but our God does not leave her there in her forgetfulness and her turning away from him. He says, therefore, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. What a response to an unfaithful, to an adulterous wife, to uh, unfaithful people. He tenderly pursues them and he makes a way. He goes from, we go from being a valley of destruction, of despair, a valley in scripture here, we know as, uh, known as a, for a massacre, and he opens a door of hope. And so we continue. Almost to the verse, then he says, I will betroth you to be with me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. He's gonna give us, he's gonna remarry us. He's gonna give us these gifts of righteousness and justice, of compassion, of faithfulness. He's gonna bring us back in. He's gonna marry us again. And we will now remember him, acknowledge him. Our faithfulness will come back. And then we get to these few verses that are our verses for today. It's at the end of this section where we heard, about, uh, we heard about Israel, God's people's unfaithfulness, how they turned away from God and what it brought, all this destruction and death and how they forgot who God was. And then God still pursues them, loves them. In fact, gives them righteousness and faith. And we learn and we know that if we fast forward that it comes through Jesus. And today we get this final uh, kind of statement in that part of this, uh, this, this poem uh, that God says. So this is where we're at. We're in Hosea 2, 21, 23. Um, if you have a Bible, you'd like to follow along, otherwise all the, the verses will be here up on the screen. Let me just read this, this part for us. It's just, it's just these uh, three verses. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her, for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my love. I will say to those called not my people, You are my people. And I will say, and they will say, You are my God. It's this great news. It's this great finale to this section uh, in this book. God declaring that He is gonna move and that the people will respond and not just the people but the earth so we're going to start there's just three parts of this we're going to look at uh what do these mean and then what do they mean really for us so we're just going to start with in that day so what what day is that or when is that we actually heard this earlier in the passage in that day i think this is referring uh in that talking to it there's a day that's coming up where god is going to do something and it's going to make the earth turn back to him and the sky is turned back to him and he's going to make his people all turn back to him. He's going to make them go from not his people to his people. And so you might, you might think if you're someone who has read scripture, or if you know some of the, the biblical story, you might think of this day, right? The final day, the big day when Jesus returns and makes things right. This is my fa- I just typed in Jesus returns. This is the first picture that came up. Watch this. Look at this face. I just said, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking. <laughs> it's just... There's no way this is what Jesus looks like. This is wild. They got like a model to pose as Jesus on a throat and he just floats in clouds. Anyway, sorry, back to the day. There's gonna be this day when God will come back and he's gonna make everything right. He's gonna build this city where there'll be no more shame or guilt or tears or pain and we're gonna rejoice. The, the world is gonna rejoice together as this all is made right, as we no longer feel the brokenness around us. And I think that day might be that day, but I think it also kind of encompasses that day, not just an actual day, but actually like a, a season. I think that day starts when Jesus gives himself to us, when he's broken, when the, when the punishment for our unfaithfulness should be put on us, when we should receive that, Jesus steps in and says, no, I'm gonna take it for them. Jesus, God himself comes to earth, takes our punishment, and then he raises from the dead. I've been liking this old painting of Jesus re- returning. It feels uh, a little bit like a celebration and in, in awe. Of Jesus just walking out of the tomb. He not only dies, but he raises from the dead, defeating death and sin. So God says in that day, and I think, not only the day when he comes and makes all things right, which we are all still waiting for, but the day that we no longer have to wait for of when when Jesus came and made things right, when he made us God's people, when he took the thing that separated us from God away and died and took on that wrath. And so God says, I'm gonna give you this gift. I'm gonna make it right so that you can be my people. And he says, in that day, so so, we know I think that's kind of what he's talking about, He says, I will respond. Now this word here for respond is um, not not necessarily respond uh, in the same way we're gonna see it later. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. But he says, I will respond or I'm gonna act or "I'm I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something about this thing that's happening. He actually says it a few times. I will respond. I will respond. I will plant. I will show my love. I will say, those people who are not my people are my people. Do you hear this action that he has? He, you, those, unf- those unfaithful people are far away. He says, there's going to be a day when I'm going I'm to do something. I'm going to respond. I'm going to plant her. I will show my love and I will say, I will call, I will name them my people again. The planting is interesting here because the word Jezreel, which we see um, Earlier used as, as a negative term, responding God says, hey, name your kid Jezreel, which means bloodshed, which is, which is associated with a massacre, which is associated with death. He says that word actually means, the word Jezreel in, in Hebrew actually means uh, God plants. And so I'm actually gonna plant. It's an incredible thing, right? He plants to grow instead of death. Instead of something being killed and withering and dying, he now is gonna plant so it will grow. So all these things happen. God uh, acts, he moves, and then what happens? And then we see everything respond to him. This is really important. We see this all throughout scripture. It's really important we see this here highlighted. God says, I will do this thing. I will act. I will, I'm gonna do the work. And then they're gonna respond. And this is actually not just people responding. In this passage we're hearing about the earth actually responding, the plants responding. Isn't, that cool? Isn't it wild to think like all of creation responds to the gospel? That just people, like everything gets restored and made, right? In the same way that in the beginning, everything was cursed and broken and relationships were broken. Now all things respond. And so there's this order that happens, this call and response that I think is important. Not only do we know that day, there's a day where God is gonna act. No, what the day is, it's when Jesus came. The, The gospel story, right? The foundational core of it where Jesus dies and rises to rescue us. And that one day, Jesus will come back and make all things right. This day, this thing, that's how God acts. That's how he responds. And then what, what is our job? Our job is to respond to that. To not say, okay, God, I'll keep doing more so that you'll give me that Jesus. He's saying, I've given you Jesus. Now I need you just to, to turn to me. You, you're running after these other gods, these other masters. I need you to turn to me. I, I'm giving you this gift. I need you to turn to and respond. I think it's really important today. This is one of the things I want us to really think about is consider, are we people who are responding to what God has done, his work, or are we people who are trying to work to get God to bring us back? He's saying, I am your husband. You have been unfaithful, but I'm drawing you, I'm, come back in, the door is open. I, I wanna marry you again. And then we say, okay, let's, I'll do some stuff to make it up to you and then you'll let me back in. No, no, I'm letting you back. I'm inviting you back in and we're saying, okay, I'll let you know when I've done enough to get back in. There's this, this call and response. I think of this, i thinking about call and response, how often in our lives there's a, there is a call and response or an act that happens and then we respond to it. And one of the things this week that I thought of was B.B. Uh, King. Often in, in lots of music, but in blues, there's a call and response. Sometimes literally someone sings a line and then someone plays that exact melody, right? There's this call and response where someone acts and then the instrument responds. Sometimes the instrument acts and the person responds. To get a little flavor of this, I want you to just hear this. take this in, think about this, how B.B. King here sings and then his guitar responds to him. Oof, I know I don't want to stop either. Do you hear that though? You hear him like he speaks and then his guitar like can't not. I mean, we know, right? He's playing that. <laughs> but he, he can't not respond to him. He, he calls out and then the guitar just has to play. I mean, it, it, it makes you wanna go home and listen to some, some blues, right? This, there's this thing that's happening and Hosea is saying this. Today we're hearing this, that that God is responding and we're responding to him. He's saying, you're my people. And we're saying, you're my God, right? I'm your God, right? i oh, sorry, that was terrible. I wasn't gonna do it. And then in the moment I did it, <laughs> I wish I hadn't. I mean, do you, do you feel that, right? He's, it's like he's singing to us these words and we just can't help but say, yes. And not just, oh, that's so nice of you. We're unfaithful. People have turned from him. I have felt the pain of, of the brokenness that comes when we aren't, following the way God has created us too. And we say, oh, we're terrible. We know it, right? How could you ever want me back? I, and then he says, you're my people. And we say, oh, that's such good news. Such good news. So why, why should we respond? Well, it's because of that great news, right? That we were once called unloved and now we're called loved, not because of our response because of how God has responded through Christ. We once were called not God's people and we're now called his people because of Christ. It makes me think about the story of the prodigal son. You know this story? It's a story about a son who left his father, actually said, I, in a sense, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. He takes it. He runs off to, to do all that he wished just to follow his heart. Say, I'm gonna do all the things that seem wonderful and glorious and he spends his money, it says on uh, with, with women and riches and food and he eventually loses all that and leads to the path that we see in the book of Hosea. He actually is sitting with pigs. He has to find a job and he's like feeding and living with pigs. He's laying in a pig pen and he has a moment where he says, w- how did I get here? He got there because he decided to turn away from his father, from his family. And he, so he he says, I gotta go back, I gotta apologize. Maybe my father will let me be maybe just a servant in his household. I don't even need to be family anymore. So he turns and he walks home. And before he can even say, hey, I'll do whatever I need to do. Maybe I can work my way back into your family. Even if I can just be around the family, it's just better than living in a pigsty before he can do any of that, his father runs out to him. In the passages, he picks up his robes, he runs to him and he embraces him and holds him. And he says, my son, He's, you're back in the family. There's, not, you're not, there's nothing you, you can do. I just decide, I'm responding, you're back in the family. This is why we can respond. Because of what God, is. he said, come back through the work of Jesus you now are back in the family. Can you, can you like, just feel for a second the, what that young man is feeling as his father wraps him again in his robe, thinking, I hope I can just like, see my father from a distance as I work in his field. And his father says, no, no, you're back in the family. And not only is our response to God important in the order that God acts and then we respond but it's also really important to understand what happens when that, that occurs. He, this, this young man goes from being away from his family, working in a, with pigs, a, a pig, pig boy, <laughs> sorry, I don't know what that means, uh, to a son again. As we went from not God's people to God's people, in 2 Corinthians, we hear like this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. Do you hear the language just used here? In the like, if you just read this like in the original language, it would it could sound even more like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, creation just says there's. It's like remember back when God just spoke and then things appeared, like everything happened. This is happening, and because of Jesus, there's like a new creation, and you've been made new, not just. Change not just like improved or upgraded. You didn't just like download you know the, the newest update and now you like work better. That security thing doesn't like mess up and you have to restart all the time. You are like new. This has gone from not people to people. New. This is pretty incredible. I think we find ourselves sometimes just seeing this as a as an accessory. We say, okay, God has done this work. Yeah, Jesus. I'm gonna put my faith in you as like a bonus. It's like one more level. I took one more seminar and now I have like this on the end of my name. I'm now also a follower of Jesus added onto who I already was. And, in, and he's saying, no, you've changed. I've changed who you are. You're a new person. You're not just an upgrade. <makes noise> That's the noise that would make. Right. I, I picture it like this sometimes in my own life. Sometimes I think, okay, I'm, I'm a dying tree starting to turn brown, starting to fall apart. And so I just need to kind of add some things to spice it up, right? Maybe throw some ornaments on, get some packages. I'm a dying Christmas tree and all I need is just to like look better. And and you hear the language in this passage, God says, no, I'm gonna plant you new. Without me, you're just gonna wither and die and I'm gonna plant you new. I'm gonna put the seed in the ground, I'm gonna water it, I'm gonna fertilize it and you're gonna grow new and big. And strong. There's something really important about us, not just thinking God has responded to us on that day when Jesus died and rose and one day when he comes back, but God has made you new, which changes everything. He even changes what he calls us. He he takes the name that meant not people and he makes it people. There's a story, um, there's actually someone who wrote a lot about what happened after um, the Civil War what happens in the lives of lots of individual slaves. And there was a man um, after the Civil War who, um, he, he writes, there's like a whole chapter on how people change their names and their motives for changing their names, which is really interesting. Um, some slaves actually went on to become free, um, but then be, because of, they just were given the name of their former master. And there was a mom who had the choice to name her son and her son's name happened to be Jefferson Davis. which If you don't know Jefferson Davis <laughs> over like, you know, ran the Confederate army. And so as a slave, having the name Jefferson Davis and now being free was not ideal. And so his mother said, no, I don't want his name to be that of his old master. I want it to be that of his new. And so she changed his name to Thomas Grant, named after Ulysses S. Grant, which she said suggested and reminded him of the freedom he now has. Isn't that wild to think like you're, Could you you imagine your actual name going from the president of the Confederacy to now like who would become the president of the United States? That's what God's done to us. He said, you used to be under this master. In fact, earlier in Hosea, he says, you'll no longer say my master, you'll say my husband. He said, your name is no longer Jeff Davis. Your name is Thomas Grant. You're now named under the banner of freedom you know, named after the banner of your husband who loves you and gave his life for you. Now look what happens after this happens. So, so we respond, right? God responds, we respond to God because we've become new, he's made us new. And so what do we do now? Well, this Second Corinthians helps unpack that for us. We have been reconciled, he's reconciled us to himself through Christ. So because of Jesus, he's brought us back. He's made us family again, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The family you brought into has a family business, and we're in the business of reconciliation. In verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So to him, we might become the righteousness of God. So God acts, we respond, he makes us new people. And so now do we just hang out? Do we just, maybe you had this experience or um, I, I know we've had the experience sometimes when people get married, that first like year, they like disappear. They just wanna like be together. I'm not sure exactly what happens. Maybe a little bit of what happens, but I don't know, (laughs) totally what happens. I know some fighting happens when the only person you hang out with is your spouse all the time. Um, But you see, God's not saying, we're just gonna like, just you and me then. We're just gonna have some Bible studies every morning and drink some coffee. And then he says, you just got into a family who has a thriving business and we need you to get to work with us. And the work we're doing is reconciliation. We're bringing people together. We're tearing down walls. Of division. We're bringing unity and justice. We're bringing redemption. We're bringing hope into lives around us. Others need to know, as verse 21 says, hey, you need to be reconciled to God, not because God is just angry and he's going to hurt you. No, because this is what you were made for. God made him, Jesus, who was not sin to be sin so that you might be made right and receive the gifts of God. And who, who are those people were called to? Well, if, if you were uh, at the time of Hosea, you would have probably thought God is calling you to just reconcile God's people, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. In fact, um, oftentimes if they even met to worship, some of their worship was calling out God to curse all the countries around them. They would call others dogs. They'd call them less than human. Well, actually one of the only places we hear this passage in Hosea used is in the book of Romans. It's interesting where It's used. It says, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the object of his wrath? This says, what if God, having all this power, instead of just bringing his wrath, instead of bringing the punishment on the people who deserve it, who are really prepared for this because of their disobedience, what if he acted differently? What if, in verse 23, what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? What if he showed great mercy so they could see how glorious he was, whom he prepared in advance for glory. Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he said in Hosea, he's gonna quote the passage we saw, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my my loved one who is not my loved one. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of living God. He's quoting, so he's quoting Hosea saying, remember when God said this in Hosea, I was gonna make the people who are not his people my people. He's talking about all of us. He's talking about the Gentiles, which is a term in scripture, Gentiles are just not the Jewish people. These are sometimes thought of the people who are like, oh, those people. The people that you think, oh, they'd never follow God. They're dogs, they're animals, they're less than. And in Romans, he says, oh, this is what's incredible about this message of this gospel. Not only is he just gonna rescue this people, but he's gonna give this opportunity to all people. Jesus comes on that day and asks all people to respond because he died for all people. This is really important. So we have seen God work. We can respond to God. He has changed who we are. We're no longer the same we're new creations and we're, we enter into this family, this family of reconciliation that gets to do the work of reconciliation. And so we now get to, get to, to look around and say, I could never imagine that person wanting to follow Jesus, but, but Jesus does. So how, how do I help them? How do I encourage them? How do I love them and bring reconciliation? And so what do we take away today from this as we wrap up here? Well, it's obvious, right? B.B. King plays, plays trees, we're all family. Didn't he write that song? We are, no, that wasn't him. Now, this is the most confusing graphic ever, right? Here's what I want us to walk away with. Friends, I want us to remember that God has done the work, that we get to respond to that work, and in putting faith in him, he makes us new people, and then we get to get to work. And this order is really important that we are filled with the gospel, that God is the one who changes us. And we become new. And then when we're new, we don't just get to sit around and like enjoy, sit by the pool, the gospel pool, right? And go, oh, awesome, Jesus. Can't wait till you get back. But now we get to get to work. The people he's changed us into get to get, the, get to work helping others know this great reconciliation. I, I have two places this week that I, this happened to me. I'm gonna use Bitmojis to to explain these. Um, the emojis are just weird pictures that you use on your phone if you're unfamiliar with the emojis, I had a moment this week where this came out. This reality, I had to respond again to the gospel because this reality came out for me. First, I was just chatting with some friends and, we, and our conversation started going from like just chatting and checking in how some people were doing that weren't with us to the conversation like slowly starts. It's almost like it, it's like just about to go over a hill. It's like we're all in like a a wagon and the wagon's just creeping over the hill and you can feel like it's about to start speeding up down the hill with gossip, right? So I feel like we started talking and someone goes, oh, did you hear they did this? Like, oh, come on, they gotta figure this out. What are they thinking? And then it just like quickly snowballs. I don't know if anyone's ever had this happen. And the conversation all of a sudden just goes to like, let's talk about how dumb these people are, (laughs) how smart we are. We'd never do what they're doing. Oh they need to stop doing that. Maybe a couple times we throw on there like we should pray for them. We don't ever pray for them. But we, you know that it just starts. It just started kind of creeping over the hill. Just feeling like the conversation went from like genuine concern to like we're just going to maybe complain a little bit about these people and share a little bit how I've been frustrated with these people. And thank God someone in the group says I, I don't know if this is helpful. Is this is this causing us to like love them more? I thought, oh shoot. <laughs> and then quick, I have to try to think, can I justify what I do? no, I can't. Like, you're right. What my I went from just chatting about them to, to really starting to think maybe I was better, maybe just just felt good to talk like someone else was worse off than me. I stopped believing that they were a sinner and I was a sinner and we both were only saved by the work of God. I stopped believing that I was a new creation that I was created for reconciliation and not division. So I was partaking in believing multiple things that weren't gospel truth. And I was actually participating in the business of division and hurt and pain. And the gospel tells me about our story. It says, Drew, you're a new creation. You can celebrate with others. You can care for others. You can see sin and be reminded that you're also a sinner. You can stop working for division and finding ways to, to uh, divide and you can start working in reconciliation. The second thing that happened to me was uh, right or, uh, probably this, within the same day, <laughs> I was having a conversation with a person, a friend who is a person of color and they were sharing some of the hard things that they had had happened to them and recently some hard words that they had had shared to them. Uh, And and inside of me, there's moments that I wanna uh, defend or say like, oh, settle down. They said these words really made me feel like an outsider. And as they said that, they said, uh, even like that one time recently, you said that, it was just really made me feel like Other, like you thought I was worse or other than you. And and, and I just wanted right then to, I wanted to, I felt this swelling inside of me, this defensiveness. I wanted to argue. I wanted to say, no, 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 that's not what I meant. You know me, that's not what I meant. I wanted to push it back on them. How dare you? Thank God that in the moment, God, his spirit touched me, hit my heart. And I continued listening. I said, no, no, my old self doesn't get to, to rule here. My, my new self gets to rule here. The gospel told me a better story. It said, Drew, you're a sinner and there's forgiveness from God. This is, this is your brother who you love, who's in the household of God with you. Listen, all people are created in your image. I want you to do this hard work of loving them well. I want you to do the hard work of reconciling, of listening. It's OK to say you're sorry. It's, it's OK. I've forgiven you. The Lord says through you, I've forgiven you over and over again. Now you get to do that work of asking for forgiveness. I can boldly apologize knowing I'm a sinner. And that my God has forgiven me. That alone is worth the new creation. That I can be bold in, in asking for forgiveness and saying I'm sorry, recognizing my sin. It's a big deal, this recognizing who's doing the work and our response and recognizing that that response makes us new people, changes, right? It doesn't just, not just an upgrade. Drew, you're now better at saying you're sorry. 60% of the time, you say you're sorry now, and it used to be 40%. <laughs> Your wife's going to be so happy you got this upgrade. So happy. <laughs> he, change, he changes us. It changes our days. It changes the work we get to do and the work we get to do in all people, and all places. I'm going to invite our worship team up so we get the opportunity to sing those words that God is faithful, that he is good, that we get to remind ourselves that. I want to just today, as we think about um, how we want to reflect on the gospel, I just want to ask you uh, kind of one question. As you think about God doing the work, us responding in faith, and then us continuing to do the work of reconciliation with him. Which one of those for you is, is the hardest one to believe? Today you say, I don't, I don't, the Jesus thing seems wild. I don't know if I believe that. I I want to be the one who does the work. So God's proud of me and wants me in there. Is it just hard to respond? Is it hard to repent and turn to God? Maybe it's just hard to get to work. It's hard hard to do the work of reconciliation. I love resting in in the gospel. I love that God has rescued me. I love that I get to respond in faith, but I don't, I really don't want to do that work. I don't, I get stuck trying to do that work. And maybe also consider which one comes most naturally? Which one do you feel like you rest in the most? I just keep repenting. I just keep repenting or just keep reminding myself of what God's done. I'm always doing The work of God's justice is reconciliation and I'm forgetting that it comes out of a source of the gospel. So I want you to consider where where do you land in that? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna get to worship together here as we end our time. Lord, thank you. But on that day you came and you were murdered on a cross that we should have been. And you were put in the ground. Almost like you were planted in the ground. But you did not stay dead. You rose, coming to life, rescuing us from death, not only paying that price, but rescuing us from death and making us alive in you, making us new creations, inviting us into your family. Gosh, you're good to us. I pray that you would help us know those things as we sing now, we would believe those things, that you would change our hearts and continually change us, making us new. And not only are you making us new, but you're using us to help others hear that great news, that great, great good news that we can be made in you. I love you, Lord. You're really good to us. Amen.